Uh, but if you did, I hope that you picked up on a couple of things. And here's what I hope you picked up on. I hope you picked up on last week is that you have all the faith you need to succeed. You have all the faith that you need to succeed. On last week, I showed you in the word of God where literally the Lord said to us, he said that every man has been dealt a measure of faith. Say, I have a measure of faith. And I told you that that measure, uh, a natural example of that would be if a person had a huge bowl of soup and they were giving each person a smaller bowl of soup and they was using a ladle in order to do that. That ladle would be the measure. Every person would get the same measure. Amen. And so it's very important for you to understand because what I'm going to talk about today, what you can't fight against. I love the example Pastor Sean used when she talked about a person who was swimming. If a person is swimming and they're struggling and they're about to drown, if a lifeguard comes, one of the things you have to do is you have to let the lifeguard do his job. Tell your neighbor, say, you must, you must. Let, the Lord let the Lord do his job. And so we can't spend time fighting against God. God wants to do these things in our life, and yet we're fighting against God. And so I love that example, because one of the things we're going to talk about today is the knowledge that it takes to operate in faith. We know that on last week, we started in Mark chapter 11, and I'm going to pick up right there. I won't, you don't have to go to it, and we don't have the screen today, but you can read in your Bible the story of the parable of the fig tree. In Mark chapter 11, here's what happens. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to a particular place. They see this fig tree, and the fig tree should have had figs on it. But during this particular time of year, this fig tree wasn't producing any fruit. And so Jesus sees the fig tree, and he says to the fig tree, he says, no man shall eat fruit of you anymore. The Bible says that he cursed the fig tree, and that his disciples heard him say it. They went on to the city they were going to, and the next day on their way back, they saw the fig tree. And what's important to me is that when the disciples saw it, the Bible says they were astonished. In other words, they were amazed. They couldn't believe that the fig tree had withered and died. And what Jesus said to them is Jesus says to them, he says, look, you guys are shocked and you're surprised. He said, but this is possible for anybody. He says, you just, to ha you just have to have faith in God. And I explained to you on last week that these men were, were these, even though they were, they, we know them as disciples, they were men of other professions because they had already been uh, to the synagogue. They had already been trained. So they weren't surprised that they were a God. That's not what he was saying to them. What he was saying to them is that you have to have the same kind of faith that God has. And the, and the thing that we shared with you on last week is that you have, guess what, the same kind of faith that God gave to Jesus. Amen? Now, that's difficult for people to fathom sometimes because what we want to do is we want to lessen our faith so that we feel better when it doesn't work. We, because if we embrace the idea that we have the same faith that Jesus has, then that means we don't have excuses for why things don't get accomplished in our life. So what happens is, is we've got to come to the place and come to the realization that, you know what? God did not give me some watered-down level of faith. He didn't give me some uh, castaway faith. He didn't give me some secondary faith. He didn't, he didn't give me something that was less than what he gave Jesus. And for a lot of people, that's difficult to fathom because what we want to think is, well, there's no way that we can have the same faith that Jesus has, except that the word of God says that we were dealt the same what? Measure of faith. And so if I give a, me if, if I give a measure of soup to Chris and I use the same ladle to give the measure of soup uh, to, to Sean, then they have the same what? Measure. So if God gave Jesus faith 
and he gave us the same measure, then we have the same faith that Jesus had. I just needed you to say it. Because it's one thing when I say it, it's another thing when you say it. And so you need to hear yourself say you have the same faith that Jesus has. So how does that work? Let's go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. We're talking about the faith of God. The Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to do what? Please God. It says because if we're going to please God, we've got to come believing that he what? Is and that he's what? A rewarder of those who do what? Diligently seek after him. So tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, faith is important. It is. It's important. And it's not like, and I don't want, I was talking to a guy yesterday, in fact, and I was explaining to him that people have misconstrued what they call prosperity teaching with faith teaching. Prosperity teaching and faith, and faith teaching is not synonymous. I'm not telling you to use your faith so you can uh, get a new car or get a new house. Does faith produce that? Sure. But you ought to be using your faith so you're not sick. Amen. You ought to use your faith so you and your spouse are not cussing each other out every other weekend. You ought to use your faith so that your kids, when they become teens, don't have to act like most teens act. Because where is it written that teens have to be rebellious? But people, you know, people used to say things about the terrible twos. We didn't experience any terrible twos. Because we used our faith in a belt, so we didn't experience terrible twos. (laughs) See, see, faith without works (laughs) is dead. And so so whatever you say you're going to have, that's what you're going to have. So, so it's not that your faith doesn't work. It actually does work. The problem is that people deal in faith and fear, and they don't make the distinction between the two. If you really understand that faith and fear are just reciprocals of one another. Have you, have, the, the Bible says it like this. The Bible, when it talks about Job, it said that Job was a righteous man. And, and In fact, it uses the word perfect. It didn't mean he was without sin. It means he did everything he could to please God. It says Job was a righteous man. He was a perfect man. But he had some children. And every day he prayed that his children wouldn't do something that they weren't supposed to do and something bad happened to them. And the Bible says that over time, guess what? Job's children ended up losing their lives. All this bad stuff happened. And Job came to a realization. And here's what he said. He said, the thing that I feared the most has come up on me. And for most of you, that's what happens. You wonder why certain things happen in your life. It's because in your mind, you're already predisposed to thinking they're going to happen. You say things like, I'm broke before I get paid. And guess what? You get paid, and guess what? You broke. You say, oh, I know. You see the news. They talk about this new super bug that's going around. You say, oh, man, I know I'm going to get sick. And guess what? You get sick, and then you get surprised. I can't believe I got sick. Well, why not? You've been singing it for two months now. Well, it's not because it just happened by chance. You connected yourself to it. Well, if I can connect myself to something bad, I can connect myself to something good. Amen? And so the Word of God teaches us how to do that. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Here's what it says. It says, grace and peace. That word peace there is the Hebrew word shalom. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. So he says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Now notice this, through the knowledge of God. So how is grace and peace going to get multiplied in your life? It's going to come through the knowledge of 
God. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. grace and peace, grace and peace. Comes, comes through knowledge, through knowledge. of God. That's what the Bible says. It says grace and peace is going to be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. It says, and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but literally this is what it says. It says that once you get to know God, you now have everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. You now have everything you need. Anything that's going to pertain to life and anything that's going to pertain to godliness, you now have it available to you because you know God. And so that is the reason that when people come to church, we're less interested in how excited you get and and, and how uh, emotional the service is because you can come to service and you can run and jump and shout. Nothing wrong with all that. But if you don't get some knowledge, grace and peace not going to be multiplied to you. And that's the reason that you have people who have historically gone to churches for years and they have these wonderful, high emotional services, but their lives never change. They still fight when they get home. Their kids still do stuff they shouldn't be doing. The, 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 the man still talks in a negative way to his wife. His wife still talks in a negative way to her husband. They're not being successful on their job. And, and, and they do all of these things to keep up appearances. But on the inside, everything is all messed up. Why? Because they're more interested in an experience than gaining knowledge. Now, how many know that going to class is not always fun? It ain't, it ain't, it ain't. Uh, even, if, even if you're a super nerd, going to class ain't always fun, okay? It's not always fun. But how many of you know that when you go to class and you study and you learn and you do well on the test, there's a reward, there's a feeling that comes along with that. In fact, just the other day, my daughter, she's here with us today, uh, she sent me this thing in our group message and showed me where she had made this, this, this A on the test and all these great things the professor said about her. Now, how many of you know that if you don't study, you don't get to get a test like that, right? All right. She'd have been sending me, she, she probably just would have sent nothing. <laughs> what happens is you come to church or to class. We teach the word, the information, the knowledge, the revelation. You go out there and live, and then that's where the test comes. Come on, that's good. That's good. So what we expect is to hear how you passed and aced the test. Yeah, that's right. But if you just come for an experience, and, and, and we're not into experiences like that, so if you just come for an experience, you can leave here going, oh, I don't know about that. But then you take the test and you fail. Because now you're at Walmart and somebody says something to you that you don't like and because you didn't listen when I said self-control on Sunday. When I talk about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, you was kind of (laughs) dozing or you was playing your next round of trivia crack. (laughs) And so you missed it when I said it. And so then when you got to Walmart and the woman threw your change, you forgot that you were supposed to be exercising self-control, so you called out all kinds of stuff. And then you thought, oh, Lord, why did I do that? Because you was on trivia crack when I was talking about self-control. It's like being in the class and the professor is talking to you about an equation and you're not paying attention, and then the equation comes and you go, I ain't never seen this before. I know. I know you haven't saw it because you weren't paying attention. And so that's really how church is. And so the Bible tells us clearly, it says what's going to happen is this. It says that grace and peace is going to be multiplied unto us, but it's only going to come through the knowledge of God. 
So tell your neighbor, say, say neighbor, neighbor. It's important, it's important. To, understand to understand how God works. How God works. Now understand, these verses say that all things that pertain unto life and godliness are given to us through the knowledge of God. So if whatever you need to be happy, even if, if, if you need to be happy in your marriage, you can get that knowledge too from God. If you need to learn how to get promoted on your job, you can get that information from God. If you need to learn how to have higher self-esteem, you can look at Oprah and Dr. Phil, that's fine, but God can teach you how to love you. He can teach you to understand how special you are. All of that comes, that word shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. It comes when you get revelation knowledge of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 and 6 that we have to have faith in order to please God. Faith is what brings the things that God has provided for us from the spiritual realm to the natural realm. If you remember on last week, I asked you to go to Genesis. I won't ask you to do it this week. But on last week, I asked you to go to Genesis. And I showed you in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, where literally the Bible says that the, the world was void and without form. And God looked at it and he saw who it and he didn't like it. And he said what? Let there be light. And the Bible says there was but it wasn't until almost several verses later that you saw that he even created the source from which light came from. It was several scriptures later where he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. And I said that last week to get you to understand is that you don't have to wait on all of your resources to show up before God is able to do something in your life. I mean, from the beginning of time, he's been showing us that you and I have the ability to cause things to come to pass in our lives before we ever see them. Now, I was talking to Pastor Sean about this on last week, and we were saying that, you know, it, it, another way to even look at that is that literally God looked out. He saw what it looked like. He knew what it should have looked like. And he said, let there be light because there should have been light because you already had a picture. So he used his words to speak it. And then as a result of speaking it, it came into being. The same thing is true with you. If there are things you're expecting in your life, you can't wait for them to show up. You got to start saying something about them right now. You know, it's amazing um, that, that we don't spend time saying what our lives should be rather than saying what they are. We spend far too much time talking about what our lives are, and we use phrases like, well, I'm just what? Keeping it real. Well, how many of you know that's really not what you want? So if it's really not what you want, don't say what your life looks like to you in the natural. Say what you want it to be like. Amen. Many people have found it very difficult to operate in faith, even people in the church. And this is because they either don't have the real knowledge of God's word in them or, watch this, they have let the word slip and have been choked by the knowledge of the word of God. Now, this is never more true than you take a person. I, Pastor and I say it all the time. You get a person who's never been in church and they come to church. I love talking to those people. I really do because they don't have any preconceived ideas about what don't work. They just like, what? You believe God for that? Okay, I do it. Okay, fine. I, I believe God. Okay, cool, cool. Believe God? Believe God? Okay, yeah, believe God. Okay, yeah. Hey, Pastor, it worked. Yeah, I know. But you get folk who've who, who been brought up in church. Folk, folk who done been to every vacation Bible school. It is. They've been to the Kojic Bible study, the Baptist Bible study. They've been to every one. And you tell them to believe God, and they give you a hundred reasons why it won't work. A hundred reasons why it won't work. Those are people who are difficult to move because even if they believed at first, what happens is they let negative experiences now shape their current situation. But I want to I show you something in the Word of God that we are warned. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. 
You ever, um, and, don't, and if you're here with them, don't look at them. Um, but you ever, you, ever, you, ever, you ever been with someone and you were so excited to maybe like be with them the first time or date them or whatever the case may be? And over time, it just kind of winged itself. It's kind of, uh, you know, yeah, don't look at them. Uh, it, it just, <laughs> you might be here with them today. Uh, it just kinda, they just kind of winged themselves. And, and the problem is, is that you lose the excitement that brought you to it the first time. And the reason is, is because you don't become as focused as you used to be. So that happens where the word of God is concerned. You get born again, you get saved, you start reading this word every day, and you get excited. But over time, it's kind of like a love affair. You kind of you wean yourself from it. And if you do that, the thing that caused you to be excited at first won't exist anymore. And then the, and then the thing that used to cause you joy now doesn't cause you as much joy anymore. And, and, and what, you be, what, what you used to would do at first in the relationship, you find yourself not doing anymore. People laugh, uh, and, and it's a story, it's a testament of my great love that I had toward my wife. Because when, when, we were, when we were dating, I lived in Conway, and she lived up here. And she got sick one day, and we were on the phone, and I was like, well, what, what do you need? And she said, I don't know, I, just, I think I'm just going to go to bed, I just, I just need to rest. Well, I got in my car after work, I, get, I went to the store, come, come watch this, I, uh-huh, come on now, come on, come on. I went to the store. <laughs> I got all the stuff she needs, some orange shoes, I got soup, I got all that. I drove two, and that was before they had 540. I drove the pig trail, you understand? I drove all the way up here to make her some soup and to give her some orange juice and to see about her, to make sure she was okay. Oh. I have to remember how much I love her because if not, She could be in the other room, be like, Strick, I want some water. I'm like, you got two legs. <laughs> now, why is that true? Because if you're not careful, you fall out of what you used to be so infatuated with. And that's what happens with the word. That's the reason that when you come to church, we want you to be excited about the word. We want you spending time during the week because we know that if you keep that attraction there, if you keep that flame burning with the word of God, you'll always be ready to go and see what God has to say. Amen. So the Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, verse two, it says, let us therefore fear. Now, that word fear is not terrified. That word fear there, the original translation of that particular fear there, is the word reverence. It means to be in awe of. It says, so let us reverence or be in awe, lest a promise being left us of entering into this rest. Nothing missing, nothing broken, this peace. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Verse 2 says, for unto us, that's you and I, was the gospel, the good news, preached as well as unto them. But watch this. It says, but the word preached did not profit them. Now, why did it not profit them? Not being mixed with what? In them that what? So you can hear about faith, but if you don't get stirred up about faith, it doesn't do anything for you. He says, look, you, and, and here's, here's what happens. You can go to church. There will be several people sitting in the service, and some of the people get revelation, and other people be like, oh, I didn't nothing happen today. 
Why? It's because of what's going on on the inside of you. When you hear word, when you hear preached word, whether it's me, whether it's her, whether it's uh, T.D. Jakes, whether it's Pastor Dollar, Joyce Meyer, whoever you're listening to, when you hear word, it's your job to mix it with faith. Because you can dismiss a word no matter who says it. But you can also receive a word no matter who says it. So, 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 if, so if, if, if Pastor Sean says to you, look, it's the will of God for you to have high self-esteem, that's just the word. If you don't mix that word with your faith, then you don't get the results of what happens. It's like taking all the ingredients to make a cake and just sitting them all on the counter. You're never going to get a cake that way. You're never going to get a cake because you got eggs and oil and butter and milk and all that stuff just sitting there. You've got to mix that stuff together. Because when you mix it together, it becomes something new. It becomes something different than it was when it was separate. So you've got to get the word of God, and you've got to get your faith, and you've got to mix it so you can become something new. And that's really why the devil, that's, that's why the devil fights so hard to get us not to understand how God works. Because he, listen, the devil doesn't care if we had a thousand people in this, in this, in this, in this building today. If nobody mixes anything with faith, he, he doesn't care. So what we gathered together? So what that we heard word? His thing is, can I do something so they won't mix those two things together? Because when you hear word and you mix it with the faith you already have, there is nothing that can stop you. In fact, we see that example with the, with the Tower of Babel. I won't make you turn to it, but the story goes on like this. It says that there came a time where these people came together, and they said to themselves, they said, we know what we will do. We will build a tower so that it ascends all the way into the heavens. The Bible says, and they was on one accord. That word one accord means they were in faith together. It means they believe together. And the Bible says that once they decided to do that, it said that the Lord looked out from heaven and he saw the tower that they had already built. Now, there, there took me a long time to understand that. I was like, but they never built the tower. How did God see the tower if they never built it? And it was because once you put word and faith together, it's already done. And so as far as God was concerned, the fact that they had a word and the fact they had mixed it with faith, the Bible even says nothing's going to be able to stop them. Now, now think about the power of that. God himself says if they mix word and faith, even I can't stop them. So watch this. If you mix word and faith and God says he can't stop you, how the devil going to stop you? So you got to get to the place where you say, you know what? The most important thing in my life is understanding how faith works because if I go to a place where I get word and I can mix it with faith, all things are possible to me. Amen? Listen, most Christians today, even spirit-filled evangelical Christians, are full of the knowledge about how to operate in this world system, but they are extremely deficient in the knowledge it takes to prosper in God's system. That's not an indictment against anybody. It's because we were brought up in the world. You know, somebody come to you for advice and you listen to their story. The first thing most people do, they go, well, if it was me. When you say if it was me, you are typically not ready to give them some spiritual advice. You are about to tell them what you would do based off of your learned experiences. 
Like if he lied to me, I cut his ties. See, that's a learned experience. So what happens is, is that we have spent so long becoming proficient in how to operate in the world system. But to be honest, we haven't had a lot of teaching uh, about how to operate in God's system. But if we learn how to become proficient in God's system, there is nothing that can stop us. Amen? The Bible says it like this in Hebrews 11 and 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. It is the evidence of what? Things not seen. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance. In other words, that word substance is tangible. It says faith is the tangible thing that you have of the things you hope for. It says, and it is the evidence, which means it can be proven in court, the, the things you can't see. So if the Lord tells me that it is his will that I be healed, and I mix that word with faith, it is my evidence that healing belongs to me. What happens after that is what can the devil do to convince me not to believe what I just believed? Because if he can convince me to believe something other than what I believe, then I'm going to believe the last thing I believed. So it's important that you understand that when you are having these battles, the, 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 the most epic battle you ever have is between your ears. It's the most epic battle. you. The, listen, you make hundreds of thousands of decisions a day. Some of them voluntary, some of them involuntary. But every single one of those start in the same place. They start in your mind. And if the devil has the ability to manipulate your mind, he can manipulate your life. That's right. Come on. It's, it's, it's the reason that he, 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 he says things. Have you ever had the devil say something to you and it totally didn't make any sense? I mean, seriously, now don't, don't judge me. I'm driving down the road, and the devil like, you ought to just run over people over. What? <laughs> I mean, I mean, just, just random stuff. He just throw random stuff out there. Y'all looking at me. I know y'all been thinking. <laughs> and you're like, why in the world would I do that? Well, the devil's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He doesn't know everything. He doesn't see everything. So what happens is he's just throwing some bait out there to see if you're going to bite. No matter how crazy it is. You know, he'll say something, y'all just quit your job. You're better than this. Wait a minute, time out. You might be in your emotions, but quitting your job is not the thing you ought to be doing if you ain't got another one. But he just, he just throws that stuff out there because if you bite on it and, you, and he gets you on the hook, now he can reel you in. Because then what, have you ever in your life had the devil tell you to do something? You ain't going to raise your hand. But then you end up doing what the devil said, and then he took what you said and made fun of you for doing it? He like cuss him out. You cuss him out. He go, man, you're supposed to be a Christian. <laughs> that's, that's what he does. The Bible says that he is an accuser of the brethren. So his job is to find, his job is to get you to do something that you shouldn't do, so that when you do it, he can make you feel guilty that you did it. So then when you're asking God something the next time, he said, how you going to ask God that? You know what you did last time. And so then what does that do? It starts to mess with your confidence. It's, and, and, and watch this. The only difference between a man who prays and gets what he, what, he, what he asks for and a man who doesn't is his confidence. The Bible says in the book of James, it says a double-minded man is what? Unstable in what? All of his ways. And if that man should think that he should receive nothing from the Lord. Why? Because the Lord can't bless a double-minded man. He says you either got to be hot or 
cold, but you cannot be what? Lukewarm. He says you, you can't be in between two opinions. And so it's extremely important for you and I to understand that the devil's job is to cause us to believe something different than what God says. So the question becomes, Pastor Edwin, how do I deal with that? Just find out what God says. That's why we tell you, don't just come to church and wait for the preacher to happen to, happen to preach a scripture that's good for you. Study the word of God on your own. Be become a person who is a student of the word. So when the devil says to you, 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 you know people in your family had cancer and you're going to die of it too, you can say, you know what? That is not my inheritance. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every word that rises up against me, I shall condemn it because it is my heritage in the name of the Lord. And you got to have some boldness when you say it. But, you, but if you don't know nothing, you're just like, oh, I want to die. Now he's got you in fear. Now he's got your mind thinking about it. And, and, and if you're not careful, you'll live your life in a state of panic because the devil's just throwing stuff at you randomly, randomly. You know, you know your best friend talking about you. What, my friend talking about me? Now, now everything that's said, you think is talking about you. Why? Because he's put you in that state, amen? amen. Listen, another way to say it is like this, Hebrews 11 and 1. It says, faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. What we're hoping for will actually happen. How many know that when a woman gets pregnant, she expects to give birth? That's the expectation. She expects to give birth. Well, that's what happens when you get a word from God. You are expect to see that thing lived out. You are expect to see it lived out. No woman gets pregnant on Monday and has a baby on Tuesday. So just like in the natural, you understand there may be some time between you receiving the word and you seeing the manifestation, but that doesn't make it any less real. We all know, because she's told us, Missy's, Missy's going to have a little girl, okay? Now, mi boy. <laughs> so Missy's going to have a little girl. But Missy's not running around going, oh, I wonder if I'm going to have a baby. I wonder if I'm going to have a baby. I wonder if I'm she knows. Now, you might not be able to see the whole development of what the baby is, but we know that over, if, if nine months, she's going to have a baby. So when the Lord gives you a word, you got to act like that pregnant woman. you got to start preparing to see the birth of the thing that God's promised. I know because we Facebook friends, they, they've been picking out names, they've been thinking about different things. You know, I, I know before Kenosha had Blake, she, she had the room done, she was looking at all this stuff. Nobody waits for the manifestation to show up before they prepare. People who are really believing, oh, I wish you would hear me. People who are really believing are preparing the moment they get the word. You go to the doctor, you take that little test, and it says you're pregnant with child. Right there, you're starting to think, ooh, I'm going to have a boy, girl, what color, ooh, what's my favorite catalog? I mean, you, 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 you read to buy everything. You're preparing. Why? Because that word says you have an expectation to see a manifestation of something you can't see right now. And that's what faith does. Faith gives you an expectation that you're going to see a manifestation of something you can't see right now. That's the reason why when the person was told no 19 times, they kept filling out applications, they kept on asking, they kept on looking, they kept on going, because they knew that even though you said no 19 times, that at some point my yes is out there. In fact, you ought to just look at your name and say, neighbor, say your yes is out there. Whatever it is that you've been believing God for, you ought to just begin to praise him right now because your yes is out there. Your yes is out there. It's ready for you, amen? Now listen, the Bible says this. I promised him I was going to be done, so I got about 10, 10 12 minutes. Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22 is the scripture that describes the fruit, 
fruit, not fruits, the fruit of the Spirit. And in the fruit of the Spirit, one of the things it talks about is faith. Say, faith is is a part part of the fruit. fruit. Now, notice something. Have you ever in your life seen somebody plant something, and they put it in the right ground at the right time, gave it the right nourishment, and the seed didn't grow and produce fruit? It typically doesn't happen. If it doesn't produce fruit, it's an outside force messing with it. Why? Because the Bible says that the fruit is in the seed. Come on. I, I don't, I don't want to look. The, the fr- okay, you got a grapevine, right? Where did the grapes come from? The seed. The seed, the, the vine itself produces the fruit. And as long as, that, as long as that vine is being cared for, as long as there's not outside forces interfering with that vine, that vine is going to always produce fruit. Jesus says, as long as you're connected to me, he says, I am the true vine. He says, I'm the true vine. And, as long, and John, he says, as long as you're connected to me, you're going to produce fruit. So, so what's the thing that causes me not to produce fruit? It's got to be some external force because the fruit is in me. The fruit is in you. What is it that God's called you to? It's not that God's trying to get to mold you to do it. Whatever God put in your heart to do is already in you. In fact, without any outside influence, it will just produce naturally. The reason it doesn't produce is because there's outside forces working against you. Because you, the Bible says like this, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. You have an adversary, and that adversary's job is to bring outside forces into your life to cause you not to produce what you would naturally produce just because you connected to the vine. You never see a grapevine struggling to produce. You don't ever see a grapevine going, oh, I got to get this fruit out. No, 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 no. It just produces the fruit because it's what's on the inside of it. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. I mean, look at me in the eye too. Say neighbor. Say greatness is in you. It is. So if it's not being produced, it ain't got nothing to do with it not being there. Because the Bible says that you were made in the image of God. So if you're made in the image of God, greatness has to be in you. So if I'm not producing this greatness that I believe God's called me to, it has nothing to do with God. I got to figure out where the cutoffs are. I got to figure out what the, am I not getting enough rain? Am I not getting enough sunlight? Do I need more of the word in my life? See, people say all the time, they say, they say you know, I just, I, I just need more faith. I need more faith. You don't need more faith. What you need is word. And you need word that can be mixed with your faith. Because when you do that, that produces everything you need in your life. Somebody asked me one time, they said, well, Pastor Edwin, how do you explain when Jesus uh, came to the centurion? And the centurion came to him. And if you read the story, what you, here's what you find. You find that Jesus is on his way somewhere, and he's with this crowd of people. And it's the story of the woman who comes through the crowd, and she touches him. And, and, and literally, Jesus says, who touched me? And people are like, are you tripping? What's wrong with you, Jesus? There's 10,000 people around. What do you mean, who touched you? How are we supposed to know? And Jesus says, somebody touched me because I felt virtue go out of me. 
And so what happens is, is the, the man comes to Jesus first. And then you have this situation where this woman comes. Jesus stops talking to this man. He turns and he deals with this woman in her issue of blood. And it's a whole message about her. But he deals with her. She gets healed. And then he turns back to this man. He begins to talk to this man. And the man doesn't say, Jesus, I need you to come to my house to heal. He said, I just need you to speak the word. He said, you, he said, look, I don't got to touch you. You ain't got to come to my house. You ain't got to do none of that. I just need you to speak the word. And what happens is the Bible says that the Lord said to him, Jesus said, I have not seen so great a faith in all of Israel. So people say, well, Pastor Edwin, why would the Lord say great faith? Why would he say great faith if faith doesn't have levels? He wasn't talking about how much faith. He was talking about the demonstration of it. See, I believe that if you would take the word of God for your life and do something with it today, the Lord would say, I ain't seen so much faith in Dollar Benville. Because what did he mean? He mean, I haven't seen someone take what they had and use it with such specificity as you just did. He said, because you got revelation that it ain't even about me touching on somebody. It ain't about me being in your presence. It's about you having the ability to command a word and having that word to change your life. He said, I ain't seen no faith like that in all of Israel. He said, I ain't seen all that faith. Oh, well, Pastor, okay. Well, what about when he told the disciples, oh, ye of little faith? Again, he was saying to them, you been with me all this time. I, you ain't demonstrating no faith. It's not that you don't have it, but you're not demonstrating it. The same is true for the church. It's not that we lack faith. It's not that most churches lack faith. What we lack is the ability to take the word of God and mix it with faith that has not been contaminated. Contaminated faith will not produce Nobody likes anything that's contaminated. How I many of you know that's true? I know it's true because if I came to your house and you and gave you, if you came to my house and I offered you a glass of water, and I said, here's a glass of water, and you was getting a drink, and I said, oh, hold on one second. I got to put one drop of sewage water in it. Here you go. None of you would drink it. I said, oh, but you got eight ounces of water. It's just one little drop of sewage water. You're like, I'm not drinking that. Why? Because that one drop did what? Contaminated the whole thing. Don't allow anything no matter how small you may think it is, to contaminate your faith. The moment you find your, when God tells you to believe for something, and the moment you catch yourself not believing, you get in that word, and you dig it up. You dig it up. Because any amount of contamination will cause your faith not to produce, or it at least will produce on a much slower level, a much slower pace. Amen? And so it's very important that you understand that. The Bible says this in 1 John 5 and 4. It says that you will not overcome the world through our what? Faith. Say, my faith, my faith causes, me causes me to overcome, to overcome everything, everything in, the world. in the world. That's even the devil. Your faith causes you. Listen, the Bible says this in the book of Revelations. I don't teach out of Revelations a whole lot, but the Bible says it's one really wonderful thing in the book of Revelations. It says that you and I are going to get to a time in our history, and you and I are going to get to see the devil, and what we are going to say is, you mean to tell me this is he who confounded even the whole world? He said the devil's going to be so small and so insignificant in what it is that we think he can do to us. We're going to be amazed and say, are you kidding me? That's who deceived the whole world? Now, I don't say that to try to say the devil's not real. He is real, and he's really real to people who don't know God. But compared to your God, Chris just got through singing the song, I got us bigger, 
how are we going to be in here singing, I got us bigger, I got us stronger, and then we go out there and we see bills and we freak out? We, we, I got us bigger, I got us stronger, we get a no, and now we don't, we, we don't fell apart because we got a no. Either the song is true or it's not. But you got to get to the place where you say, I don't care what's happening in my life. I'm going to choose to believe the word of God. And, you know, it, it's, 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 it is simple and it's not simple because here's what happens. We, we, have to, we have to get to a place where the word of God becomes so real to us that it's actually more real than all the negative stuff that we see. How many of you know people believe a lie before they believe the truth? It's just, it, it really is. Listen, you can go on your Facebook page when you get home, and you can be like, oh, my God, Bobby Christina passed. It'd be a 1,000 shares. No, no, see, I mean, it's horrible. But, but, if, but, if, but, if, but if somebody puts out there, oh, praise God, the Lord healed her, people are like, oh, you got to check this story out. So why do we always have to verify something positive, but we're quick to believe the negative? It's because internally we have spent most of our lives being engineered and conditioned to believe the worst. And God is saying, in order for me to do what I want to do in your life, that's the work you have to do. When Pastor Sean talks about you doing the work, that's the work you have to do. I can't, there's no way I can come to your house every day and have a preaching session with you. It's just not going to happen. You have to be able to get in the word of God and say, you know what? I heard Pastor Edwin say that faith, that the word mixed with faith will cause me to win. Well, you got to go search that out for yourself. And once you begin to do that, you begin to see things in a different light. Amen? The Bible says this in Romans 8 and 6, and this is where I want to leave on today. Romans 8 and 6. It says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now think about that. We use the word carnal. And if you grew up in the South and you had grandparents, carnal could be a whole lot of things. It could be smoking. It could be drinking. It could be having premarital sex. It could be going to the ball game. It could be lying. I mean, it depends on what, what, how you grew up. Everything was carnal. When he uses that word to be carnally minded, what he's literally saying is there's two minds. He says you can have the mind of Christ or a mind that's other than Christ. Any mind that is other than Christ-like is a carnal mind. You can be a good carnal person. Okay, being, being carnal doesn't mean you got to be a drug dealer. You can be a good carnal person. But the Bible says that if you are a carnal person, it will eventually lead to death. Maybe not physical death, but death in the sense that the thing you're believing for won't work out in your life. Why? Because if you connect with the carnal, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the prince of this air. He is the king of carnality. The devil, the devil is the king of carnality. If the, if the devil is the king of carnality and you choose to connect with the king of carnality, all you can produce in your life is what he ultimately has for you, which is death. But he says in Romans 8 and 6, he says, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That word peace, nothing missing. Nothing broken. He says, if you choose to do it God's way. Now, I said this the other day. Faith doesn't mean that it's always easy. See, people come to church and say, well, pastor said that if I was in faith, it would work out. Yeah, but I, I did. But I didn't say it was going to be easy. What I said is it was possible. And is it not better to be connected to the possible than to be connected to the impossible? 
And so the Bible says that you and I have to practice not being carnal. In other words, it means that we have to do that Romans 12 and 2 thing. We have to practice renewing our mind where the word of God is concerned. That only happens if you're willing to put time in. You got. I, I was having a conversation with my boys the other day, and, and we were, you know, Pashun's coaches, and so we always having these conversations at home about being great. And, uh, and I was saying to her, I said, you know, I don't know that we've ever really talked to the boys uh, about working hard, you know. And, and I don't know about you, but I grew up having to work hard. I, 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 and, and I always felt like if I worked hard, it would produce something. But how many know there's a detriment to thinking that you can work hard enough to make everything come to pass? It is. Don't get me wrong. You ought to have hard work. But, but, but if you're a person who thinks I'm just going to work hard enough, you're going to find yourself disappointed over and over and over again because there are some things that you can't produce without the help of God. You just can't. You, 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 might, you might live here, but you'll never live here. And if you're living here and your desire is to get here and you think just hard work can get you there, you're going to be disappointed. The Bible says that we have to be spiritually minded. That doesn't mean that we have to have our heads in the clouds that we don't do no work either. You can't go to work and sit at your office talking about, I'm just going to pray all day. They're going to give you one of the little pink slips and escort you right up out there, that, that building. You've got to do them both. You've got to be working and praying. That means that you're, while you're working, you're saying to the Lord, Lord, give me an innovative solution that can save my company money. Because if God gives you an innovative solution that saves your company money and you implement it, the people above you are going to be appreciative. And when they become appreciative, then they're going to reward you. But it doesn't happen just by your hard work. Because there have been times in my life, there's a thing called, and I'm, and I'm done, I really am, I'm going to put this there. There's a thing called the Peter Principle. You ever heard of the Peter Principle? It says that people rise to the level of incompetence. That literally, people get promoted to the level of incompetence. They're really, really good at one job, and so somebody thinks they're really, really good at one job, so they promote them to another job. But just because you was good at one job don't mean you're going to be good at the next one. It's called the Peter Principle. It happens in corporate America all the time. It happens all over. People go, oh, you're really, really good at this. You did a great job on this project. We're going to put you over here, okay? And maybe you was good over here, but you weren't really that good, but you were a hard worker, so they promote you again. Then at some point, you're going to tap out. I remember reading about the Peter Principle, and my prayer was, Lord, don't ever let me tap out. So every time I've been promoted to a job, and I tell you, there have been jobs I got I know I wasn't qualified for. I'm not, I didn't have a degree for it, let alone the education or the experience for it. But when I got there, I was smart enough to say, okay, God, I don't know what I'm doing. This is all you. And somebody would be like, okay, we want you to do X, Y, and Z. And I'd be like, all right, cool. What else you want? Well, like, what? Well, can, can you handle that? I got that. Lord, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I declare that there are no secrets that are in the world hidden from me. God, I thank you and I praise you, Lord Jesus. And I sat down at that computer, and what I didn't know how to do, I got to work it, and I did it. And my boss said, whoa, we ain't never seen it done like that because it came from heaven. That's what faith does. Faith gives you the ability to operate in a realm that you couldn't do on your own. And so you got to learn how to do both. And so when we come to church, we're going to always talk about faith. We're going to talk about other things, but we're going to come back to faith. And we're going to talk about other things, and we're going to come back to faith. Because if you learn to operate in faith, literally there is nothing that can stop you. Pastor Sean was talking about Abraham, and when she was talking about Abraham, the Bible says he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. 
But he was strong in his faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God has promised, he was faithful and just to do. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to say, if God promised it, I'm not going to waver in my faith because I know God can get me through. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord some praise. God bless you. I got three minutes. Amen.